Hello there, Normanites. I'm Zach Logsdon, and welcome to I Am Norman, a podcast about Norman, Oklahoma. As I record these words, we are in the midst of an international pandemic. Schools and businesses are closed, gatherings of more than a few people are restricted, and we're under a stay-at-home order, all aimed at curbing the spread of the COVID-19 virus. Inevitably, during times like this, many of us, including myself, feel helpless. Healthcare workers and law enforcement are on the front lines keeping us safe, and many people are risking their health by continuing to ensure that we have access to the essentials like food, gas, and medicine, while many of us sit at home wishing there were something we could do to help. Some people are sewing masks from their homes, some businesses have converted to manufacturing medical supplies or hand sanitizer. But me? Well, I work in marketing. I can create marketing campaigns, design logos or websites, I can produce videos. But in situations like this, I feel pretty helpless. So, I decided to start a podcast about our community and the people in it. This podcast is about them, their stories, their challenges, and what they're going through during this time. My hope is that while we're all social distancing and feeling so far apart, this podcast might help everyone feel a little bit more united and understand that we're not alone and we'll get through this together. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. I am Norman. The I Am Norman podcast is brought to you by Norman Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. When your home or business needs cold air or hot water, call Norman Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing at 405-823-9641 or visit them online at normanair.com. Hello, Normanites, and welcome to another episode of the I Am Norman podcast. Very excited to have you back with us again today, and very excited about our guest. Uh, Today we have with us uh, someone that, especially in Norman and the surrounding areas, needs absolutely no introduction, Uh, so I will introduce him by name only, and that is Mr. Mike Hosty. Mike, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Start off by telling everybody that doesn't know um, just about your history with Norman, your connection to the town, how long you've been here, why you've stuck around so long, anything pertaining to, to Mike Hosty and his connection to Norman. Uh, well, uh, I guess I came officially to Norman in 1989, and I'd been here before. I, I went to high school in Oklahoma City, and several of my classmates were from Norman. So I spent a majority of my high school days in Norman and just really liked it. The university, just something like I'd never been around before. And I uh, came here in 1989, and I've never <laughs> Why is that? Why didn't, you know, what is the about Norman? I mean, as a musician, you, uh, especially a successful one like yourself, you could have moved to many uh, many towns around the country to, uh, to to start your music career or continue your music career. What about Norman has, has been something that made you never want to leave? Well, when I first started out, it wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> so I, I really stuck around to, to just because there was opportunity to play. At that time, everybody played cover songs, so you had ample opportunity to play cover music and there was huge fraternity parties and uh, everybody had outdoor things going on there were more venues in norman you could play multiple places and you really didn't have to leave or go too far 
and you were also learning how to play at the same time. Um, so staying close to town, I was really just kind of learning how to do it because I, I could play a little bit, but it, I, the thing that I really realized is because of maybe my ADD that I couldn't remember the cover song. <laughs> so I started just, I started making up my own and attributing them to somebody else. And that kind of got me by for a while. And, uh, that's, that's hilarious. Really got that, yeah. That's how I got into doing my own songs. Cause, uh, uh, I couldn't remember these other ones. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, do you do you have any? Do you remember who like a specific song and and, and maybe who you attributed it to and when you were first starting out? Oh, I'd, I'd play like a blues song and I'd say, "Here's one by Mr. Eric Clapton." You would go, "Yay!" and they'd applaud and uh, <laughs> and, and they would, pre- they pre- they pretend it. that they know they they recognize the song, the Clapton song. Oh yeah, well you had to play covers in Norman. It was yeah. a cover, and it's kind of it's become that way again in a way uh but uh you had to play these other people's songs and uh because everybody who was coming out would want to hear it game days fraternity right. parties you know you got to play what they want to hear uh but it, you know if you kind of tell them it's something familiar they just kind of they go like oh i just haven't heard that one right <laughs> Well, now that now that you've uh, you're much more established than you were back then, do you hear people, other bands, and other artists playing you, your songs as covers? I do. I've had a couple. I've been fortunate enough to have a couple people record some of them, and uh, the Stony Larue one, obviously, the Oakland Breakdown, and uh, had a, a band on Alligator Records in Chicago's recorded a song. Oh, that's great. Uh, oh, just some other ones. It's it's really cool when someone does, you know, one of your songs. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, so, you know, prior to all this, uh, I read on your website you pl- you play, you know, a- absurd a number of of concerts per year, shows per year. Uh, I think I read the number was two fifty on on your site. Uh, you're you're playing a lot. I see your name all over town all the time. Um, and then um, back, you know, eight weeks ago or so. Everything shuts down and the bars close and the restaurants close. Uh, first off, tell us what your normal schedule looks like from a, a night-to-night basis or day-to-day basis, uh, and, and then I want to hear about kind of what you've been doing with your time since in, in the, over the past six or eight weeks. Uh, well, over the past six eight weeks, I've just been we just been sitting at home really because <laughs> you know what I do, you can't go out and do it. And then you also think, if you do go out and do it, and you draw a bunch of people into this room, like what the what's the ramification of that? Are you going to make? Is everybody going to get sick? Right. A friend of mine brought up a great analogy that the, the virus is like Schrodinger's cat, the, the quantum physics problem where you put the cat in the box with some food and some plutonium, <laughs> and, it, and you close the box, and uh, the, is the cat is both simultaneously dead and alive at the same time. And if you open the box and the cat is dead, did you kill the cat? And it's uh, it's an interesting kind of paradox. Yeah. And uh, I have a lot of people from smaller towns outside of Norman and Oklahoma City that are you know haven't really experienced any of the um, ramifications of the virus. They're, they're just eager to get started. I, I don't know if they don't believe it's happening or. Yeah, uh, I don't know. They're they're eager to open up and 
Right. I've had I've had any cases of it, and uh, but around here, you know, I I don't know. I don't know what the future of even playing is like with a crowd uh, coming out to a bar and packing into a place. Right. I, I don't know what that looks like. I just have to wait and see and wait till you know someone makes a happy accident and finds a cure. Right. So have you had to turn down uh, uh, some opportunities in, in other towns to play because because of what you're just alluding to, that, that, that people maybe in those places aren't taking it quite as seriously? Uh, I've said, Well, in music, what they do is they just tell you, they, they tell you not to come or they just don't call you and you find out really that you've been canceled. Um, right. Music's kind of a... I'm never under it, it. It draws people into your business, but businesses are all, always reluctant to have music mm-hmm. because they think they're they're paying out something. It's the the lack of it really contributed to the, the really the loss of the, the culture of going out, especially in Norman. You don't have that. Just don't have that culture of like let's go out and see this band this time, or let's go place to place and see somebody play. Stillwater has. And Tulsa are pretty much. Uh, I play there quite a bit. I actually play Stillwater, I think, more than I play Norman. Um, <laughs> uh, just because I, I, I don't know, I, I can't really explain it. I don't know if they want to make the investment in music, in, you know, in my hometown, or uh, they just don't see a value. I, I've never, I haven't figured it quite out yet. Well, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that uh, you were you were playing those other towns so much more than than Norman. Um, I, I guess that that goes back to a question I, I kind of I asked a little bit, but uh, you know, you have an opportunity maybe to 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 go to um, you know as you've achieved success, could move to Austin or Nashville or uh, I guess even Stillwater and Tulsa, where where um, you play more frequently. Uh, but you stuck around Norman. Um, is it is it is it family? Is it just a, your this is where your home is? So this is where you stay. What what, what keeps you here? Uh, I do have a wife, and uh, I love being able to come home and uh, hang out with them. <laughs> you know my friends who've moved to those other towns, and you know you go on tour. You're really not living in that town. You're always on tour. Good point. And uh, I've. I've done that before. You know, I'm I'm kind of in a different age bracket as some of these other people, but uh, it's just uh, I just enjoy living here, and I've always tried to promote my town and just try to really believe that the people will kind of believe in the music of this town, and it'll kind of rise back up again. I know we have the Norman Music Fest and these other things but you've got to realize that's once a year right and uh, music's 365 days a year and norman's really got to get out of the mindset of we'll just go to jazz in june (laughs) or or you know norman music fest and then the other thing you make free you really kind of you you, it loses the value if something's free uh, that's another thing that pay for musicians is dwindled as well you know, you you're making essentially less now than you were making 20 years ago. Oh wow! Uh, of places that pay out. Right, right. 
Um, so, you know, let's start a, a little, you know, talk, talk a little bit about you, how you got your start. Um, I, uh, I watched a video on you and, uh, on YouTube and I, and I discovered, I le- I heard the story of how you got started playing guitar. Uh, and I thought it was a fascinating, uh, story because it, it, it not a conventional way, um, because you, you, you broke your arm and started playing a guitar as a result. So tell us, a, tell us that story. Uh, okay. Well, uh. In the first grade, the jungle gym fell down and snapped my arm oh, at the shoulder, and uh, at, at, right at the joint. So I had a so it was a really hard break to heal. I had to have it rebroken at once, and I was in a body cast for about a year. And uh, after that, I wasn't using my arm for anything. It, it kind of atrophied, and it just kind of hung at my side. And, you know. So to get me to do something as a physical therapy. They suggested playing an instrument of something where I have to use two hands, you know, piano or right. a horn or something. Uh, so I just I saw the guitar. I'm a huge Willie Nelson fan, and uh, so I got a guitar at Larson Music uh, that looked just like Willie's, <laughs> and a Mel Bay Big Note songbook, and started taking lessons. You remember the? So that's how I got started. Do you remember the first song you ever learned, or the first song you ever wrote? Well, I, I went through the Mel Bay book, which is when I teach kids today. You know, I'll teach them on Zoom, and uh, I have students here in Norman as well. Uh, but I still teach out of the same book, the Mel Bay book. Wow! And those are the first songs I really learned. And you know, my teacher taught me Green Sleeves and all these basic songs. And the first song I ever wrote was, I think, uh, maybe just a nonsense song just putting words to a, you know, in the grade one Mel Bay book, like I had a cow, <laughs> a cow was mine, something silly. Yeah. What about the first, uh, when you, 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 you learn to play guitar, you, you're, you know, trying to get out there and, and play shows. Do you remember the first venue you ever played? The first venue? Uh, well, I, you know, the, the, the first time I played was in high school and at the time, a friend of mine in high school organized a, a cake party off the Northwest Expressway in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And uh, his name was David Rice, and he's the one I really attribute. He got like he got us all motivated. He goes, if you guys get a band, we're going to have a cake party. It's going to be awesome. And it was an awesome, you know. <laughs> I, don't think he could do, I don't think he could do that today. Right. Uh, but he had this big cake party, and it was great. We had a PA. It was the greatest. It was everybody danced. It was just amazing. We just played a whole bunch of classic rock songs. And David, uh, you, you may have heard his name before. He died in the World Trade Center. Uh, he was in that sec- one of the towers. Oh, wow. Uh, but he was uh, growing up with him. He did, a cu- he did another party like it as well. And uh, it, it really kind of motivated. I go like, oh, wow, you can actually make money playing music. So have you? And, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh that, that's just it. Yeah. So have you? Uh, have you ever had a period of time where you were you you know, do, doing um, you know I guess a a regular a regular job or have you you know from very early on made your living you know teaching lessons and playing shows? I had a lucrative career as a pool cleaner for a while, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, but, you know, I, I mostly just played shows. And, you know, living in Norman, 
back then when I moved here, it was cheap to live here. It was super cheap. And at that time, a lot of people were just kind of hanging out and, uh, uh, it was cheap to eat. You didn't need much of anything. Yeah. Uh, so it really kind of, really the two things kind of worked together. Also at that time, there weren't really many jobs to be had. So things that I, when I graduated from OU, there really wasn't, it was a uh, weird kind of recession that all the jobs were occupied. Right. And the, uh, this, this older group of the, uh, the baby boomers were in their prime and they weren't going anywhere. So really it was just like a playing a waiting game. Really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what about, you know, those early shows you were playing, um, whether they're keg parties or, or actual uh, bars, any, any songs that you were playing back then that you still go back to because you like them so much? Um, you know, no, some of the songs, original songs that you wrote back then, it's just like, oh, I, I can't believe I wrote that song. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a blessing that they were never recorded. Because some of them are just outright. I listen to them sometimes. They're outright. Just some of them are awful. <laughs> and, uh, that's a, that's another thing, too. The blessing of not recording those things and uh, not putting that material out because you don't have that catalog kind of hanging over your head. Yeah, true. So you know, these days everything it's it's so easy to record. Um, I, you know, example right here. If you, you want to start a podcast, all you need is a computer and a and a, and a microphone, and you can do it. Do, are you recording? You know, far more than you used to, or you still follow that uh, that kind of that that practice of of not recording everything um, th- that comes into your head. Well, I, I often liken to it. I, I teach at UCO and, and classes that I, I have, I, I tell the students, I go, although everybody can do it, not everybody's good at it. Right. And uh, it's really, are you providing any content that's worth anybody listening to? And there's really no gatekeepers to it anymore, <laughs> so you have to trip through all this stuff. You just, you know, and I go, you only have so many hours in the day to listen to anything or watch TV. What are you going to spend your time on? You can't listen to everything. And uh, you got to focus on making it good. So, so when I do music, I do record stuff at home. and I'll write personal songs for people, like 50 bucks. I'll make a birthday song or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, as recording, I mean, I still go to the studio. I still find somebody who's as good at what they do as uh, I'm good at what I do. Yeah, I mean, then I can but then I can focus on playing right. and let them do all the technical stuff. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so you talk about what you're you know, what you're listening to or what people are listening to right now. Um, let me ask you that question: what uh, What are you listening to? Any any bands or artists that you're super into right now? Oh, well, I have my favorites. I have uh, my my old favorites. I'm, I'm a huge Jesse Ed Davis fan because. You know, he was born. Do you know who he is? I don't. Jesse Ed Davis? Yep. Since you're doing a Norman podcast, you need to know who this guy is. I do. I'm going to write it down. Okay. So he was born in Norman, uh, where Reeves Park, across where the naval base used to be. Mm-hmm. So he's a Norman. He's actual Norman native. Okay. Uh, and he uh, played in the 1960s with a guy named Taj Mahal. Okay. And the song She Caught the Katie and these 
first three albums and and then after that he got to play with john lennon on the lennon's album the concert in bangladesh wow. he played on jackson brown's uh oh god what song doctor my eyes oh wow doctor my eyes. yeah i know that one he played guitar on all this stuff in the 1970s and uh so all of his stuff i'm listening to which I really nerd out. So I have a new album coming out that I actually found the bass player who played with Taj Mahal in the sixties and Jesse Ed. He lives in Tahlequah. His name's uh, Gary Gilmore. And I got him and uh, my friend, Jamie Oldacre, who played with Eric Clapton in the seventies. We just did an album. I'm going to put it out here in the next week. Okay. But we recorded it up in Tulsa and he brought the same bass that he played with Jesse Ed. Yeah. Gary also played at the Rock and Roll Circus with the Stones in the 60s. Um, wow. And J.J. Kale and I mean, the the stuff that those guys, and he lives in a shack by the river in Tahlequah. <laughs> he, rents ca- he, he rents cabins. And, and uh, I don't know, stuff like that, that old stuff, I've really been digging through lately. Just the, just the connections that are still here because those guys are kind of fading away. Yeah. Talk about uh, you know the the Mike Hosty, uh, what was the Mike Hosty trio uh, when I was in college? I remember seeing uh, seeing you guys perform all over the place, and um, I, I believe uh, you sometimes perform as the Hosty duo, and and but more often than not these days you're you're just Mike Hosty. Uh, now that you're a solo act, tell us the story. Um, I've heard it, but I want to hear it again of how you went from a trio to a one man show. Uh. Well, when I first started in Norman, I, I got to go back a while. Um, my first couple bands were all trios. I had guitar, bass, and drums. And, and the biggest band I ever had was one called Peter, which was uh, in the mid-90s. And uh, we recorded, and that was that was my, we had a van, and we drove across the country, and we did all this stuff. It lasted about three years, and that was guitar, bass, and drums. And, uh, after that band, uh, the trio started. The trio was only about three years, uh, but instead of a bass, I had a, a keyboard player. Mm-hmm. And the keyboard player left to start uh, his own band because he wrote songs as well. And he started uh, the, the Sugar Free All Stars as his band. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, he's and he's great at it. He's really found his. He does those kid songs and. Uh, it's really I, uh, that whole break of it it was for the best because he really found something that he, he loved to do in, in being uh, uh, doing the, the kindy rock stuff that he does mm-hmm. and then uh, the, the solo deal I, I've always done the solo deal and the first time I did it I did it at Liberty Drug in uh, it was 94 and my guitar player and bass player or my drummer and bass player decided they quit on stage and uh over uh like a, a bag of weed or something uh, <laughs> it wasn't as much as they thought it was, i don't i don't even remember it was it was something to do with a, a like a, a bag of weed but uh it was it was when you could do free beer night and everybody came in a place is packed full of people and a uh, line out the door and up there playing and and uh, I went to the owner, it was Steve Edge, and he, uh, I said, uh, 
he goes, are you guys going to get back up there and start playing? And you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. My, my band just quit. And, and he looked at me and he goes, you better figure out something fast. And so I, I grabbed the drums that were still on stage and I just plucked the, you know, what I could. I played guitar because I'd been doing it in my apartment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the first time I did it. So I, I've, I've done the solo thing ever since, uh, when anybody in the bands I wanted to go, because frequently they, when you play in bands that and people want you to do charity stuff, the guys in the band all want to get paid. And if you do a charity thing, they're not getting paid, meaning you have to pay them. Right. So when I would go do charity things, uh, I would go play by myself. I played several, like the bombing, OKC bombing benefits and like uh, AIDS awareness and the uh, Norman Earth Day here at Reeves Park. Um, all these uh, charitable events I, I'd always just done by myself. And so really transitioning to, to doing it like I'm doing it now really wasn't a, a big deal at all because I'd already been doing it. So what besides not having to um, pay band members, uh, what other advantages are there to, to being a one-man show, if any? Well, the advantage of paying band members is, is you don't uh, – you have someone to uh, to drive with you. One <laughs> true, yeah. yeah. Which is why I got a mannequin now. I put him in the put her put her in the seat. Yeah. Uh, the other advantage uh, of having somebody is uh, just even if you do pay them, it's just like if a business wants to pay a band, you can ten ninety nine the band. The tax you're not taxed on all that income that you're getting. Mm-hmm. So. You know, if I make a hundred dollars now, um, it, it's just a different accounting problem. So <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of a weird deal. You think you'd make more, but you end up paying out more. But but the advantage is, it's I don't know. I, I've talked with other several guys who do one man things, and they all tell me the same thing. They go like, oh, I don't have to chase the drummer down the street. The bass player's never drunk. You know, when it's time to get, you know, when it's time to go, you can go. Yeah, it's a, uh, I don't know. I, I think about it now, and I, I really wished I, I probably would have just stuck with that in 1994. Yeah, and kept doing it. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, it's interesting, and uh, I'll tell a story about myself. Not that anyone cares, but I was, I actually had a band in college. Uh, played around here some uh, you probably remember when there was a place called the jockey strap um on campus corner oh yeah and and the the problem with our band was i was by far the least talented member but i was i was the only person that, that got everybody to practice and uh and and kept it all going and booked the shows um so keeping the drummer showing up and keeping the the guitar player off drugs and keeping you know, all, all of these things together you know just it just wore me out and like i said because i was by far the least talented person it's not like i could turn it into a one-man show because uh because i had uh no, nobody would have come out to see me play um we did play the um the deli one time and i know that is a place that you play uh frequently uh and probably have an affinity for uh talk about that place and what it means to you and what makes it so special okay yeah you know about bands too you really you don't have to be great you just have to be good (laughs) and sometimes you don't really have to be good 
the, the bar is relatively low. Um, the guy who spends years in the conservatory playing jazz guitar is viewed as just as talented as the guy who can just play a G chord, uh, just on the acoustic. Bling. Yep. One chord. Because people are like, it's mystifying to people, to people who don't play music. They go like, God dang. Fair enough. Yeah. What guy can play guitar? <laughs> yeah. And you know, the guy who's practiced years, you know, to master the guitar is, you know, the most people just, you know, they just appreciate the music of yep. like, oh, wow. This guy can make music. It's amazing. Fair uh, enough. Going Good to, point. Going to the deli, too. Um, really, in Norman, there used to be so many places to play. I mean, Liberty Drug, there was Mr. Bill's, the Satellite Twin, the the Cellar over there, the, uh, uh, the Remington, and then the uh, Cafe 66, and Breadworks, which is now Bison, which is... Uh, and... Uh, a whole bunch of other ones. People, bands used to play at the Vista. You had there used to be so many places to play. Brothers on Campus Corner, mm-hmm. even the, you know the Jockey Strap Firehouse. All, all these places. The, the delis just really remain. Uh, I'm glad it has. Uh, it's really the, the the diminishing of the scene. Just goes back to that idea of you have to create the culture of music in your town. It doesn't just happen. And until everybody in town really values music as going out and consuming it, like you'd go to the newest steakhouse, mm-hmm. um, the music scene's not really going to thrive other than the special events. Um, yeah. But uh, the, the delis, and that's one of those places where I'd, I'd make up the songs and uh, tell them, you know, this is an Eric Clapton song, because <laughs> the deli was all cover music at the time. And Liberty Drug is where you played original music. Okay. Or the uh, or the Satellite uh, Twin over there in Stubman Village. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a theater now. I played a whole bunch of shows. Uh, the Black Crows played there. Uh, who else? Nirvana was supposed to play there. Nirvana broke down. Uh, really? I had no idea. That is really cool. Oh, yeah. The Satellite Twin. Uh, Morphine played on uh, New Year's Eve. Oh, they had so many bands come through there. And they... Uh, early 90s so did liberty drug <laughs> uh, uh but the deli is just uh always just uh let you do your own thing mm-hmm. and um i keep showing up and uh they haven't told me to not show up anymore so <laughs> i keep i keep going they're still open and they and and the door's still open to you basically is, is what it is right right yeah which is uh, what but now's uh, one of those times to, you know, go buy their gift cards or their shirts, you know, support them because they can't be open. Right. And when they are open, if you can only let 25% of the people in there, how are they going to make, uh, how are they going to make any money? Right. Absolutely. I want to I want to talk about some some of the uh, people you've opened for because this is an impressive list and and uh, I'm I'm envious uh, as as a music lover myself envious you know that that you've been able to perform alongside people like Bo Diddley and, and Leon Russell and and even you know Spin Doctors um, and, and Thirty Eight Special and, and bands like that. Uh, talk about you know maybe the most influential uh, person you've ever opened for. And or maybe just your favorite for for one reason or another. Oh God, 
it's that's you know I think of it now the more those guys I just recorded with because they all re- worked with Leon Russell. Mm-hmm. I never really knew the Oklahoma web of, of musicians connection. I didn't really appreciate. I've, I've played with Leon Russell a couple times. Uh, my favorite was he played in the parking lot. He was on a, like a motorized scooter, <laughs> and he was just out there doing circles in the parking lot. And he's got that white beard and hat, and it looked like it was a. Uh, you know, like someone put a mannequin on top of that thing, <laughs> and it was driving around sort. And then uh, I don't know. Bo Diddley was great. Uh, he yelled at me. Uh, I was standing there to get an autograph, and, and the first thing he says to me he goes, he told me to get, he said, get the hell out of my way, so I, so I can get on the uh, so I get on the elevator or something like that. <laughs> the, the promoter goes, no, no, this kid wants you to sign his guitar. He played with you. I go like, oh. oh. And uh, Dick Dale was great. The surf guitar, he's one of my heroes. And, uh, uh-huh. He just grabbed my head and shook my head around like and growled at me for like a, like a good two minutes. When I was getting his autograph. And I go, Mr. Dale, you're my favorite guitar player. I love your surf music. And he just... <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, that's the greatest way to deal with you know, anybody talking to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's one way. Uh, yeah, no, the spin doctors. Uh, my one of my favorites was uh, R.L. Burnside, is a blues guy, mm-hmm. because he actually in, invited me to get back on stage and play with him, and uh, and make up a song. So like, you're getting to write a song with, and, and he's one of these legends of uh, uh, hill country blues. Mm-hmm. Which is North Mississippi, and just kind of rediscovered in the '90s. And really, he's the his music and this other guy, Junior Kimbrough, is the template for the Black Keys. Pretty much, are doing R.L. Burnside and Junior Kimbrough. Wow. Uh, and then, because after we got done playing and, and played with him, and his, his drummer, which is his grandson, that came up to me and goes like, "Big Daddy wants you to play a song with us." And I go. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> and then we, and then we sat at BZD's till about four thirty in the morning at a table, one light on, me and him and the owner, and he was telling stories all night, and we just we, I got real drunk. <laughs> I, I think I slept in the van that night. I'm not sure, uh, but just sitting there and you know this one light glowing, and here's this connection to the roots of the blues. Of to Fred McDowell and Muddy Waters, like the guy from the same area and the yeah. same age, that just, just freaked me out. That, that's probably my all-time favorite. Yeah. Do you still you stay in contact with any of these artists that you've that you've opened for or performed with? You know, they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everybody on this list has passed away. Oh, Bo Diddley's uh, gone. Uh, Dick Dale, uh, RL's gone. T-Model Ford. One of my favorites was Sedell Davis. Uh, if you're familiar with him, he had polio, hmm. and he played guitar upside down with a butter knife. And uh, he was in a wheelchair. Oh, my gosh. And uh, we got to lift him up on the stage. And uh, he was in our set. He was sitting up front. I was like, the whole time I'm playing, I'm like, wow, Sedell Davis is watching me play. Like, this is great. And I turned the lights on. He had fallen asleep. <laughs> But yeah, you should check out some Sadell Davis. That's some really I will like some bizarre 
you know, playing with the when he when he said like I have the blues, you go like, man, this guy, this is the real deal. Yeah. Uh, but some of the other ones, like uh, I toured around with this band with had members of the Gin Blossoms in it, and I occasionally talked to some of those guys, but uh, oh, gosh, I can't. You know, most of them that you meet, you just kind of shake their hand and they. You never see him again. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So uh, maybe a cliche question, but uh, I, I got to ask it anyway. If if you could open up for any artist, living or dead, that you haven't, uh, who, who would it be? Oh, it'd be the classic Taj Mahal band with Jesse Ed Davis and Taj Mahal and Gary Gilmore and Chuck Blackwell on the drums. Nice. They're mine. You know, when I first came to Norman, my my friend who I hung out with here in town had his their parents had that record, and they put it on, and uh, ever since then, I mean, it just has a Norman connection to it. It has, it's the Tulsa sound, it's blues, and it's just great. So your your you know conversation with you, my first conversation with you, I, I can tell you're extremely humble, um, and, and you, you throw in a lot of self-deprecation, but you uh, you've achieved so much, and and you're you're so well known and and so loved, uh, especially in this community. I, I got to ask you, when you look back on your career, that uh, you you've, you've had a, a long and successful career uh, in music, what makes you the most proud of what you've achieved? Oh, you know, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I hope they love me around here. I hope they, they haven't been calling me. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I know tastes change and there's always somebody new, but it's, it's really, you can't really think about what you've done. It's just like, what are you going to do next? And, uh, if you start reflecting on what you've done, how many yards you brushed, or, you know, you had this great gig, there's a ton of people, and you show up the next week and there's nobody there, it really doesn't matter. It's just a memory, really. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to focus on doing something else, staying creative, and just trying to get myself to do something new. And then and still get myself booked at the same time. <laughs> uh, you know, because uh, nowadays there's so much more competition. and um, You know, I, I would like Norman to be like Austin. And, you know, Austin hires their local musicians to play, pay them to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've noticed a lot of Oklahoma, Oklahoma City and Norman are really like to we invite these people from out of town to come play and pay our local artists laugh. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, one of my goals would be to just to get, to really rally everybody to the great music we have in town, all the different artists, because it all feeds off itself and each other. And, uh, you need that variety so you don't get burned out on things. the same thing. Well, talk talk about that some. Though. You said that the, the local artists we have around here give give a shout out to so maybe the people that are listening that maybe aren't aware of who we do have and who they should be listening to that are local artists. Who are those people or, or bands? 
Well, one is my son, who Liam Hastie, who you can listen to his album on Bandcamp. You can get on there. Uh, but he's got some friends in school. To, I, I see all his friends in high school, and I can see the next wave of people. This little band called uh, Treason 58, which is uh, into some just weird psychedelic music. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole group from Tulsa. Uh, Jacob Tovar is a great artist as well. Uh, around here in Norman, uh, Tyson Mead, although he lives in Oklahoma City, he's still playing. Uh, gosh, you have... Uh, now you've stumped me, but I'm <laughs> put you on the spot, didn't I? Didn't I didn't warn you spot. that one's coming? Uh, um, it, it, you just have to get out and see it. You got to go to these. I mean, we only have three three venues, really. Yeah. The the deli, the blue bonnet, the opolis. Oh, four. The red brick. I mean, the the third largest city in Oklahoma. We have four venues. Right. Uh. I think Lubbock of Big 12 schools, uh, even Manhattan has more than we do here in Norman. I, Crazy. I don't know. I really wish that we, we got to get the town to go support these musicians. And uh, it, it doesn't come just, nobody's going to drive down to Norman really, unless we have these alternate places, to, uh, all these other things to do. And having these other things to do, they're going to discover the things we already have. Right. So that that would be my my hope. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, it, it's uh, you made the you made the comment about Norman Music Festival, and and that was obviously disappointing uh, to see that get canceled. But you also had some some valid points about um, it being free um, and 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 things we should all think about in in regards to supporting uh, the music scene. And I, I hope people will check out those bands that you mentioned. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions uh, uh, that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast. Um, you know, we're, we uh, are in the middle of the, the pandemic, obviously, and, and had a number of, of things that we probably never thought would uh, be taken away from us. It never occurred to us that we would, we would lose these things um, and that we, that we now realize we took them for granted. Um, when all this is said and done, tell me something that you'll never take for granted again. Um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of in a unique position because when I had my heart surgery, I wasn't able to play for a long time. And so I just sat at home and, and when I was sitting at home, this is about five years ago, I, I don't know, six years ago now, uh, I really thought, you know, you get depressed of like, Oh, I'm not out there you know, obviously not earning any money and not being able to play. And, uh, but the the one thing that you miss is, is, is and, and I wouldn't say take it for granted, but the, the one thing that you really realize that you, you miss are those, are just being able to entertain people and make people laugh and see them smile or enjoy what you're doing. And um, that's what I miss. I don't take for granted because some of these gigs... I mean, they're truly awful, and no one claps, and, uh, <laughs> you know, that's why I say tough crowd. Or when I get done playing, I go, yay! Because, <laughs> you know, cause, cause, you know with the lack of, when you get done with the song and nobody claps, it's like, oh, jeez. Uh, but really, I, I, I don't think taking it for granted, some people may take for granted things, but I, 
because I've already been quarantined for a while, I, I've really the the one thing that I, I I miss is is being able to you know see those bartenders and those you know they had a good night. You right. brought in some people and yeah, uh, there's you made somebody laugh so hard their faces you know they go like oh my face hurts <laughs> or you know you or they they congratulate they go like oh, you know what? I know you hear this all the time man you're great <laughs> they say something and you go like uh just to just to be able to to, to be a, the thing I miss is being of service and uh that's the one thing that musicians can't be and what I tell all my kids at school is you know after this is done your greatest asset is your presence and your ability to be in front of people and that's what I tell them they can't take for granted that you can't just show up uh, you have a great ability because people are going to want to see you play again mm-hmm. or just to be entertained your your presence has a huge value and don't let it be lost because after this is over I'm sure that what be able to be paid for musicians is going to plummet to is going to go way down right especially for, for what I do and all local musicians here around town because one, it, it, you don't know who the audience is is going to come out. Number two, all these businesses have lost tons of money. Right, can't afford to can't afford to pay you. They, they don't have it to pay you. Um. So I guess that not taking for granted, but I, I just miss being. Uh, I tell people it's my only skill is playing guitar and telling jokes. <laughs> and. Uh, so that's what I meant. Well, that's uh, that's a great perspective to have. That uh, you know, you've been, you've been through this before, where you couldn't play, and uh, it sounds like you learned then that uh, you'll never never take that for granted. Um, I am going to ask you my one final question that I that I ask of everybody. Uh, we have some really great restaurants in Norman. One thing I love about Norman is is the food. We have some really really good stuff. So I ask everybody. When this is all said and done, and you can finally go back out to your favorite restaurant and eat inside that place, uh, where is it? Uh, where are you going to go, and what are you going to get? Well, I, so I, I've been streaming out of my house on Sunday, the Sunday night show on my Facebook page, and during my show, I have all the T-shirts from all the restaurants that I've gathered through the years, mm-hmm. and I'll and I'll, I'm holding them up, hoping that you know, just to give them a shout out. But uh, fortunately. The ones I've been able to still eat at the Tai Tai and the Earth and oh, yeah. take out from Pepe Delgado's. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as we just keep supporting them and keep going to them and purchasing what they have to sell, uh, you'll still have uh, – they, they say smell is the biggest sense of nostalgia – and that smelling that food and just bringing it home really reminds you of being there and being around them. Sure. I'm going to go to all of them. I'm going to go to the <laughs> earth. Love that. I'm going to go to, I have my circle. Tai Tai is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these ones. Nice. Maybe go into Scratch and spend a whole bunch of money I don't have <laughs> uh, on something really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I I like I like going to all of them, uh, all the locally owned. You know, I I don't miss not going to like Applebee's or anything. Sure. Or, or IHOP or right. Right. To eat at Burger 
you know, pulling over at 2 a.m. and eating Burger King. Uh, that, that food I don't miss at all, but... Uh, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, these local guys that... Uh, oh, who else? Oh, the diner. Oh, right? yeah. Miss the diner a lot. Yep. Oh, my God. All these... I have a great tie-dye diner shirt that nice. put on. A, um, it's just like these, these restaurants, you just can't forget about them. These local things are what make Norman what, Norman what it is. It's local people spending their money here in town, not Walmarts and Applebee's and uh, chain restaurants. Uh, it's these small... I think Norman should be more invested in helping people start local businesses like these and invest it just shows how important the having that kind of infrastructure in town is where everything is local yep. uh, I, I think that'll be the big stre- uh, stress when this all ends is people are going to be more fixated on or my hope fixated on helping their own town mm-hmm. and uh, I, I hope they all come back yep I agree 100% I uh and, and and part of part of the mission of this podcast is get those stories out there about local business owners and local people uh, who need who need the support of uh, of other Norman residents when this is either now like you mentioned in in doing the curbside service or to go orders or uh, or when this is all said and done and, and these places can reopen. Uh, last thing I want you to do before I let you go is just tell everyone how they can follow you, uh, contact you if they want you, if they want to have you out to play at their at their place. Talk you know if you want to share how to pick up your new album you have coming out or and and also uh, if they want to watch your your live stream of your performances how they would go about that as well. Well, you can tune in every Sunday at 8 p.m. on my Facebook page. It's just a Hosty Facebook page. Um, you'll type in Hosty, it'll come up. You can watch the live stream. Uh, I'm doing it right out of the, my house, and my wife's the producer. Okay. I've been I've been taking phone calls, so I've given out my phone number. So everybody in town's been calling and asking for songs. It's been really fun. It's that's uh, awesome. Oh yeah, it's great to have. And they're you know they're phone calls on the air. It's really funny. Uh, that's cool. And they really like it. Uh, so I'm doing that. Uh, you can go to Hosty.com and all the dates probably that I don't have any up there. I have some for November and December up there. <laughs> um, I I don't know when they're going to allow people to, well, I, I don't know when people are going to feel comfortable going somewhere to see music. Right. I know people are going to be open. When are they going to, I don't know when they're coming out. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter, Mike Hosty, at Mike Hosty, and mm-hmm. Instagram. I put up a van of the week on Instagram if you want to follow that okay and uh, also been doing a musician quarantine exercises to stay in shape and I'm making videos for that too but the big thing is the Sunday show on my Facebook page 8 o'clock 3 hours of phone calls music and jokes love it I'll have to check that out, and I hope all of our listeners do as well. Uh, to, to all the listeners, thanks for, for tuning in. If you want to follow this podcast, you can do so at uh, on Twitter and Instagram at I am Norman Pod. Also, please make sure to pick up an I am Norman t-shirt with 100% of the proceeds going to the United Way of Norman's COVID-19 relief fund. Mike Hosty, thank you so much for being on the podcast and being so sharing of your, of your time. Oh, thanks for having me. Down to the river in the back of France.
The I Am Norman podcast is brought to you by The Hall at the Railhouse, Norman's premier event space and the heart of downtown. When all of this is said and done and life gets back to normal, the one thing we'll all be looking to do is celebrate with our friends and families. Weddings, receptions, corporate events, luncheons, banquets, proms, parties, and more. If you're looking for a place to celebrate life, we hope you'll choose The Hall at the Railhouse. For more information, please visit therailhousenorman.com or call 405-778-0003. I Am Norman is sponsored in part by Old Hat Creative. Old Hat is a strategic marketing and branding firm located right here in downtown Norman. From websites, corporate identity, graphic design, video production, and more, Old Hat can help any organization achieve their marketing goals. For more information, visit oldhatcreative.com or email info at oldhatcreative.com.